0: are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Are you looking to earn some extra cash, whether it's at a full-time or a part-time job? Then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest launched a new technology platform in August 2018 to help millions of Americans find jobs and increase their incomes. But before I introduce you to Adam Roseman, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's Time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that gives you an exclusive peek inside the episodes and the professionals we're going to be featuring that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org and the sign up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my Java-loving job seekers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Adam Roseman, the CEO of Steady, a financial technology, also known as FinTech, innovation that you can download right onto your smartphone. Adam has made a career out of supporting mission oriented businesses and initiatives and has worked with the Steady team to create a platform for the millions of people who are changing the way America works. The platform helps the Steady community to find jobs, increase their income, and plan for financially stable futures. Adam began his career in investment banking, which we're going to get into mostly involving transactions and investments in sustainability and economic development. He later co-founded one of the largest Western digital entertainment content and analytics companies in China. And in 2016, he was named one of advertising ages 40 under 40. Adam, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you still caffeinated on your tea and ready to go?
1: I absolutely am. Thank you, Andrea.
0: Wonderful. So, before I ask you to get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of Steady and how Steady works, I would love to know more about how and why, Adam, you wanted to launch Steady.
1: Yeah, so it's actually quite personal. I grew up in Sacramento, California with a single mother who worked incredibly hard to support myself and my sister and did basically everything she possibly could to ensure that we had a great childhood. Had Steady been in place back then, you know, 25, 30 years ago, she certainly would have had a much easier ability to find extra income opportunities to be able to sort of fill in the gaps when they occurred. And then you sort of fast forward to a couple of years ago, And my father, who I did not grow up with, had retired to Savannah, Georgia and had to continue working during retirement, was getting about 12 to 15 hours of irregular work at a large retailer in Savannah. But that wasn't enough in order to make ends meet. And so introduced him to a number of different online digital platforms that could enable him to put in some additional hours when he was available, when he felt up for it in areas that he really liked. And he was able, as a result of that, to put together what we like to call an income portfolio where he had multiple jobs that were all part-time, that were diverse, that were contributing towards his entire portfolio of work that enabled him to be able to make ends meet comfortably. So looking at sort of those bookends of my life, I became very fascinated with this concept of people having to find supplemental work and then started digging into the data and came to the realization that what had happened between my childhood and today was just this massive movement towards this workforce that was now working multiple jobs. Unfortunately, most of them not by choice, but out of necessity. And as a result of the combination of stagnating wages combined with the reduction of available hours on the job, just given that businesses today are Uberizing and matching labor supply with demand, and the end result of that is that people have fewer hours at a single job. And as a result of that, they're having to work multiple jobs. And that was really the springboard to starting study.
0: Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I was saying, I think August 2018, you launched in August 2017. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So we started developing the business model in Q2, Q3 of 20. Seventeen. We actually launched the app publicly in August 2018. So both are actually very accurate.
0: Okay, good. And I read that recently, I think, and it's this month, it's May right now of 2019, you cross the 1 million user threshold. Is that correct?
1: We did, yeah. We're beyond a million downloads now, and well over a million job application starts. And we should hit the actual million registered user threshold within about the next 45 days.
0: Wow. Well, huge congratulations. That is a big number. So who are your users, and how is Steady helping them?
1: I like to make the equation when people ask me that, too. Actually, you asked about TV and film when we were talking previously. One movie I did see that I'm not afraid to admit that I love is called Love Actually. I don't know if you've seen that film, Andrea.
0: You know, I haven't, but not because I wouldn't watch it. I think everything is a compromise in life and (laughs) it's more of a trick flick, I think, if I'm correct. And I haven't been able to convince my significant other to watch it with me. So he's actually going on a business trip in a few days. So maybe I'll watch it while he's on
1: that would be time well spent, I would say that. So yeah, but I think the general concept of it is in the film Love Actually, you have people from all walks of life, from the immigrant housekeeper who's from Portugal, who speaks no English and moves to the UK, all the way to the prime minister of the UK, who are suffering from relationship challenges and the concept that basically everybody has someone in their lives that's suffering from relationship challenges. The way that I like to equate The steady user is we all have folks in our life who suffer from income challenges, whether it be temporary or permanent, who have times in their life where we're having difficulty making ends meet, where we have times in our life where we're laid off or where we have a reduction in hours and where we need to find a way to bring in extra income. In a lot of those instances, people turn towards debt, obviously, which carries interest and has to be paid back later our belief is that to the extent that you can find supplemental work in order to make ends meet instead, much better, much more sustainable in nature than building a big debt overhang for yourself. So our users are from all walks of life. Do have to be 18 years old today to use our app um, we don't focus on jobs under that. That may change in the future. We don't know yet, but it ranges from college students to those who didn't go to college need work at an early age all the way up to 70, 80, 85-year-old, believe it or not, retirees who are doing work-from-home work on our platform. And the median, though, is right about the sort of median household income of the U.S., people that have household income in the fifty dollars to $55,000 range. We do over-index female. About 58% of our users are women. And not just because of the love actually analogy, um, but uh, for a lot of reasons, women who are re-entering the workforce, women who have child care or dependent care responsibilities who need extra work on the side. And we do also over index minority and African-American and Latino in particular. And that is our typical steady user.
0: So I've got this steady app open Mm -hmm. right now on my phone and it has four... Options. It says work from home, anytime work, part-time and full-time, and recently added work. That's and right. when I clicked, for example, on the part-time work, mm-hmm. it had different options. There's this dot care.com, DoorDash, Instacart. And then it says, want to see more jobs. You got to sign up. So how is Steady helping these folks, in this case, who are looking for maybe side hustles to supplement their income?
1: Yeah. So we do a variety of things. The most important thing that we want people to do is to really understand their income. You know, a key component of our app is our income tracker where we're able to help people understand and track their income and how it's trending across multiple different income sources on a month-to-month basis. Certain people are comfortable using that because it requires the connectivity of your bank account. Certain individuals aren't. We don't have access to those accounts. We just have access to the data that's coming in from those accounts so that we can present to people what their income trend lines are. And then having that intelligence will help us curate or uh, the individual on our platform, what is the right work for them? We're working very hard from a product and engineering perspective to progress to the point where we're able to identify shortfalls in income before they happen relative to the history of expenses that we can see in the accounts so that we can provide notifications to people on here's extra work you can do to fill in the gaps, alert this month you're going to be short specifically when you're dealing with folks who have hourly jobs that provide for inconsistent hours or to the extent that they're doing perhaps good work where the utilization rates are going to vary. Very important for them to understand that income history and income trajectory to make sure they're spending their time wisely and also make sure they understand when they're gonna have gaps. And then we suggest work that fits the individual based on their location and some simple qualifications and skills a survey that we do up front to understand those basic items. That will become more and more advanced over time. But today, that's the way that we approach our service for our users. Gotcha.
0: So as I mentioned, I got to the part where it said sign up. And to be honest, Adam, I didn't want to start getting emails. So I did no, not sign up myself. But is there a fee to participate and to use the Steady app?
1: There is not. There is no fee for the app, for using our income tracker, for looking at and finding new ways to work. We have no fees on our platform today. In the future, we may add services that require a high level of personalization, career guidance and coaching, things of that nature that may have fees attached to them. But today, in terms of what we offer in the product today, none of that will ever have a fee attached to it.
0: Great. So I know you are well aware of this number and the statistic I'm about to share with our listeners, but I'm guessing many of them are not. And that is that there are currently an estimated 53 million Americans who are freelancers, which I believe is about a third of the entire workforce in this country. Why do you think this happened, Adam? And what does it mean in terms of the economy? and the way that jobs are moving.
1: Yeah, so you can segment that really into four buckets and the best research that I've seen has been the McKinsey Global Institute's breakdown of that number and they actually estimated a bit higher north of 70 million at this point. Really? Yeah, and what you'll see is basically four quadrants which are those individuals that are working, doing alternative work, freelancing out of necessity versus those that are doing it based on preference. And then sort of further break that down into those that are doing it for primary work versus supplemental work. Okay. So there's really four quadrants that people fit into. And those that are doing it by choice and that are doing it for supplemental income in particular tend to be a category that are doing reasonably well. There's not too much to worry about from their perspective. And also those that are doing it by choice for primary income, there's a large portion of those that they're still doing okay, Right. A lot of those are white collar workers who have specific specializations where they're generating nice income streams as a result of their professional skill set. The lion's share of that group, unfortunately, are those that are doing it out of necessity, either for primary or supplemental work. And those two really fall into a variety of different categories. A lot of people think about those workers as gig workers. We don't, right? And the majority of the workers that really fall into that ecosystem are those that really we define as just simply having more than one source of income because they need to. So the typical profile of those individuals are people who are working hourly jobs in retail and hospitality and food service and logistics and distribution and healthcare services who are picking up extra income on the side or who are cobbling together multiple income streams in one or more of those categories that I just mentioned. In 20, 30, 40 years ago, most of those folks were generating livable wages at a single job. At that point in time, the wages that they were generating were providing for an hourly wage that would support a living wage combined with we're generating, again, enough hours in a full 40-hour work week to be able to compose an entire income portfolio. And unfortunately, again, as a result of wages not even coming close to keeping up with housing costs, with healthcare costs, education costs, and then combining that with all of those industries that I've mentioned, have transitioned workers from full-time workers to part-time workers. Partially as a result of trying to work around certain requirements that need to be fulfilled for full-time workers, but also just because as a result of the major advancements in technology, they're now able to better flex up and flex down their workforce supply to match their demand. The result of that is just that people don't have 40 hours a week. And so that really is the majority of the workforce that we're talking about here are people who used to work full time, no longer do, and now they need to put together mobile income streams.
0: So you mentioned that the McKinsey report was predicting or at least stating based on their analysis that about 70 million Americans are currently freelancing. I had also seen a statistic, which may not be correct, that close to 40%, and this was of the 53 million, maybe it's of the 70 million, are millennials who are freelancing. Does that track with your information?
1: Yeah, I'm actually not familiar with a millennial component of that. That sounds like it could be about right.
0: Okay. So my question is more about Gen Z. The Time for Coffee listeners, those who are in college and who are recently graduated, what do you think they can expect with the workforce climate today?
1: So we're living in a world that's going to face increasing challenges to the extent that you know we're in this sort of Wonderful, robust economic climate, as everyone tells us, um, that we've been in for a decade now with low unemployment, yet we still have this massive portion of the population that's having to work multiple jobs in order to make ends meet. In January of this year during the government shutdown, we saw close to a doubling of new signups on our platform during that month. And even a more significant outsized increase in job application starts, you know, mostly amongst individuals who were federal government workers who had been furloughed. And unfortunately, we see that as a little bit of a foreshadowing of what's to come when the economy does turn when unemployment rates tick up, which they will at some point, and when automation really starts to take hold. So I think the most important thing to think about is what are your skills today and do some research around are those skills forecasted to be still relevant in five, 10, 20 years and really gain a sense of is your job one that is still going to be likely around at that point in time. There was a statistic I read recently, I'm trying to remember the outlet, But we're roughly 80% of those that are in industries that are likely to go away from a jobs perspective, whether that be things like frontline retail or long haul trucking, ride sharing, taxi drivers. Roughly 80% of those folks who are participating in those industries don't have any idea that their industries are likely to be automated within a period of time. So I think really just gaining a sense of what your skill set is and how is it going to be relevant in the future and how is it transferable? probably is the best bit of advice that I could give.
0: Okay. So for our young listeners, Adam, who may be thinking right now, yeah, I'd like to sign up for Steady. Can you kind of walk them through how they can use Steady to get themselves out of debt, especially for those young people who have college debt, whether they're still in college now or maybe recently graduated?
1: Sure. Sure. I think the best use case of steady is to fill income gaps. So not for primary work. The best use case for steady today is to find extra income. Perhaps you have a few extra hours a week or, or 20 extra hours a week and you need to find the best way to use that time to make more money. Or perhaps you're spending 20 hours a week right now binge watching Game of Thrones um, and maybe cut that back by 50% now that, uh, now that it's over. over. Exactly. And allocate some of those hours to doing some extra work. We see folks from various different stages of their financial lives. So those with student debt who aren't generating enough in their primary source of work to pay down that debt to folks who perhaps want to save for a home who aren't generating enough to save for a down payment to those who realize that they're generated enough to pay the current bills, but they're not saving for retirement. So I think the concept of identifying extra time that you may have available and using Steady to find the best fit work opportunities for you when you can pick up work when you want that extra three to 20 hours a week to perhaps get further along in your sort of financial health journey would be the best use case for Steady today.
0: Terrific. Adam, can you just very quickly take us into a typical workday for you as the CEO of a startup? If we were a fly on the wall of your office, what would we be seeing and hearing you do?
1: (laughs) Um, So I travel a lot. So you wouldn't see as much of me as uh, (laughs) perhaps you'd still see too much of me, just depending on who you are. But it depends on who the person is and whether they want me around or not. I think typical day, a lot of travel. I think separate from that, it's a constant hustle. So it is wake up early in the morning, shoot off a ton of emails, get ready, leave for the office for meetings for the airport and make a bunch of calls in transit, get to that location, have meeting after meeting, hopefully as focused as possible um, with agendas for each of those meetings, which I'm getting better at over time, ensuring to be able to maximize every moment of the day. Back to emails mid to late afternoon dinner with my family and back to emails from uh, sort of nine to 12. So that is a typical workday. And I think it's very typical. And most of that is replicated on weekends as well, except for the time that's spent in the office.
0: And is most of the time you're traveling trying to raise venture funding or what's the purpose of it?
1: No, it varies. So we have multiple offices. We have an engineering team now in Los Angeles. So I'm dealing with, it's very difficult in today's world to build and scale a technology startup and only have staff in one location. So spending time with the team in both locations, attending conferences, generating visibility for steady at those conferences, partners with other entities. So whether it be our jobs partners, our financial services partners, those that are on our platform, all of those require some face time. And then a little bit of fundraising and meeting with our existing investor base, but it really, it ranges the gamut. Got
0: it. So I have a few more questions for you that I try to ask all time for coffee guests. And the first one is you went to UC Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. You majored in business economics. Did you Mm -hmm. know what you were going to do, Adam, when you graduated?
1: So when I graduated, I knew I was going to go into investment banking because I had interned in it. I had No idea that I would eventually find myself in Asia running a media startup and then find myself living in the South running a fintech startup. So no, I think the first for what I was going to do with the first five to 10 years of my career, it wasn't too far off. But extending beyond that, absolutely no idea.
0: So how did you end up in Asia? (laughs)
1: So I met my current, the seed investor in my current business, who's a long-term mentor as well, terrific individual, Michael Loeb in New York at the Clinton Global Initiative in 2005. And Michael kind of took me under his wing, which was an amazing thing. And one thing led to another and started helping him with some of his investment portfolio. And I think he used the phrase, go East, young man. He had an individual who had worked for him, who was a Chinese national that was well connected in Shanghai, and he felt it would be interesting to expand his sort of investment reach to Asia. And so I hopped on a plane, one of my first trips to China in early '07. One thing led to another, and I was entirely focused on China beginning in 2008. So no, I mean never would have. Yeah,
0: you were just saying you never would have guessed it.
1: No, never.
0: So it may be that instance or it may be something else, Adam, but could you share a time in your professional life when you really struggled? In my case, I was fired twice in my 40s. I had to pivot. I had to reinvent myself. I am so grateful that it happened, but at the time it really sucked. (laughs) The most important thing is how you persevered. During that difficult time, and maybe a lesson you learned in the process.
1: You may appreciate this, Andrea, just given the the time that you've spent in China and emerging markets, and the sort of difference in business ethics and rule of law. But I, uh, sitting in a conference room in Shanghai, after investing the capital of my investors and business partners in a Chinese retail business in a province that will remain unnamed, alongside a couple of very large private equity firms whose names will remain unnamed and believing a month previous that the company had $110 million in their bank account, because that's what had been signed off on by a bid for auditing firm who will remain unnamed and a very well-known bank. And then getting approached by the CEO and told we need more money. And the response from myself and the other investors is, how do you need more money You have $110 million? And his response is, well, we don't really, that money was really never there. And getting into a back and forth with him and leaving that meeting as a early 30s individual who had gone to China, starting a private equity business, needing to raise more capital for the firm and having just walked out of a meeting that I thought was going to be the deal that was going to make my private equity career turning into a company that had just pulled a rug over my eyes. And a lot of other folks and leaving that room just knowing that the world was going to change following that in terms of what I thought was going to happen. So in taking a step back and understanding and really learning from that experience in terms of what were the controllables and what were the uncontrollables. In terms of the controllables, figuring out which of those I could have adjusted so that I would never make those mistakes in the future and figuring out what uncontrollables existed. And in that instance, the uncontrollables that existed were so significant that I realized that I needed to make a pivot because those uncontrollables were still going to exist if I continued down that path of that same business model. So that was a moment that I will always remember. And one that certainly had me highly emotional. But I think as much as anything thereafter, really focusing on, again, what can I control? What can I not control? And if there's too much that I can't control, it's probably not an area where I should be investing my time.
0: So is it fair to assume that you left that company?
1: Oh, yeah. I just continued not fundraising for that business. Yes. I moved on to my next business.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that, Adam. Final time for coffee question. Yeah. If you could go back to college, back to UC Santa Cruz and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have now, what advice would you give yourself?
1: <laughs> I would say, understand that nothing makes up for life experience and that no matter how right you may be or may think you may be, no matter what you may think you know, as you develop life and work experience, you will learn that there is so much that you don't know. So I think keeping a entirely open mind, understanding that there are always going to be individuals who have been through what most of what you will be through in the future are out there and working really to take in as much as you possibly can, either through dialogue, through being a mentoree, through reading the best way you're going to position yourself to learn from things that have already happened because there's not much yet that hasn't. So chart your own path, but certainly take with you and keep an open mind relative to those that like to share. I think especially in today's day and age, with the rapid growth of technology, the number of success stories of businesses with folks that didn't have a lot of business experience when they first started them, they put big dollar signs in people's eyes, not realizing that those stories are few and far between. So I think just going into everything with a very open mind is critical. And I certainly wish I had listened a little bit more.
0: Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that, Adam. And thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. It sounds like Steady is such an important platform, and I'm so excited for you that it is growing at warp speed, and I hope that you are able to achieve the mission of your social enterprise, which is to really help millions of Americans to have a happier, more financially secure future.
1: Thank you so much, Andrea. Really enjoyed being a part of this.